one of my favorite New Yorker cartoons goes like this. There's a guy who has just found a magic lamp. He's rubbed it. The genie has appeared and he's made his first wish. Now, all we see is the genie's response. He's scratching his head and with an evasive look on his face, he says, a ride to the airport? I don't know. That's right. Not even a genie can hook you up with a ride to the airport. Obviously, this is an old cartoon from long before the existence of Lyft or Uber, but you get the point. If a friend gives you a ride to the airport, well, that's a good friend. But if a musician who has sold almost 100 million albums worldwide travels to the airport from his remote home out in the country because the reception is better there just to be on your podcast, that's class act. There's no other way to put it. Well, that's exactly what my guest today did for me. And you're going to meet him in a second. No, it's not Bono. You'll find out who it is soon enough. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. I live in a foreign country. We do the same things differently, and that's okay. I'd like to get to know you Because you're different than me Yeah When I'm with you Everything's going my way All the stars are mine When I'm with you music of my guest today on the program, Andrew Ferris. Let me tell you a little bit about Andrew Ferris. Well, he may live on a remote farm now, but back in the 80s? Well, back in the 80s, there was nothing remote about Andrew Ferris. The guy was everywhere. The Perth-born and Sydney-raised musician got his start in a band called Dr. Dolphin, but you probably know him best from his second band, In Excess. A multi-instrumentalist adept at piano, harmonica, and guitar, Ferris and his brothers Tim and John, along with Michael Hutchins, Kurt Pengeli, and Gary Beers, were at one point the biggest band on the planet. And that was at a time where there were a lot of other big bands roaming around. It was a really competitive time. You had U2, Depeche Mode, R.E.M., Duran Duran, and In Excess, at their peak, was bigger than all of them. In Excess put out 10 records with Hutchins and two others after his death, and they were elected to the Area Hall of Fame in 2001. Pals since high school, Ferris and Hutchins were a lethal songwriting combination. And Ferris really was the sonic architect of In Excess's sound. Not only that, but he co-wrote all but one of the band's top 40 hits in the U.S. Ferris went on to produce everyone from Gun to Yotu Yindi and Jenny Morris, and he snagged a Producer of the Year award at the Areas in 1990. He was inducted into the Australian Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2016, deservedly so, and in 2020, he was awarded with the Member of the Order of Australia. Also deservedly so. His new EP, Love Makes the World, is a country-tinged offering that's contemplative, captivating, 
and comforting. It's a thoughtful blend of rootsy rock and lush acoustic numbers that perfectly capture the wondrous things the world does to the human heart. It's aching, it's wistful, and it's utterly lovely work. Ferris has a new album coming out this spring, and I have a feeling it's going to be brilliant. This guy's amazing. Top guy, Andrew Ferris. I mean, come on. He went to the airport so we could talk on Zoom all the way across the world. You're going to love him. Here it is, me and Andrew Ferris having a conversation right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. anxious thing for me at the moment is if I if I turn this thing around you can actually see oh, you can't oh, you can um, you're looking at Sydney Airport as we're talking to each other okay oh where are you <laughs> yeah I'm in, I'm in a hotel room um just next to Sydney Airport and, and the reason is is that <laughs> because we can't play live anywhere well you can but it's like you know your audience has got to be in a, on in a bus over there or something, you know, um, you know what I mean? You know, so it's, but it, the point is um, that I, I've been doing a live recording in a local recording studio, which is situated near Sydney airport, but I don't live in Sydney. I live what you call the outback. Uh, I live about five hours inland, um, you know, and um, yeah, so uh, I flew down here and, uh, you know, to be a part of whatever it is I'm doing down here so I can communicate my music with people. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's amazing how uh, the, the lengths we go to now, or we, I call it all these pandemic pivots that we have to do. Pivots. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were going to say divots, like when you're playing golf. You know? <laughs> I think they probably feel like that. Um, but the, 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 the sort of innovative ways that we have to um, deliver our music, deliver our art, deliver the stuff that we do right. to people. Um, the idea of not being able to play live, that must that must be a little weird. Yeah, um, I don't know really what else to say. It is weird, and and I, you know, for me, I I feel very frustrated, and I feel that for many other musicians, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, it's also pretty scary because you know, uh, making money out of music anyway is not easy um, at the best of times, and then to have everyone you know sort of quarantining you and chaining you to a a pole. Uh, and telling you what you can and can't do, it doesn't help. What's happened to you creatively? Are you, do you find that you're more creative now than you've been because of the situation? Um, not really. I mean, I, I, well, the only thing I sort of would say to that is that I've had to think, like many other people, you know, you've got to change your plan. You know, you make a plan. And then because of COVID and the situation that we've all been in, you change your plan, but the only thing that's certain is your plan will change again. You know, so creatively, right? You, that's where I've been creative. Is I keep, I keep trying to not, like many other people, you know, not just in the music industry, but many industries where it have been subject to unbelievable complications due to the COVID thing, and you know, so you keep changing your plan. I think being able to change your plan in itself. It's probably, a, you know, it, it forces you to have to be creative right there, 
you know. But I mean, if you're talking musically and songwriting, like, yeah, I've always been a songwriter. I am a creative person. I can't help it. I almost stopped <coughs> trying to, you know, do what I'm doing and putting out music. And I thought, you know, it, oh, well, you know, okay, I've had a big ride. I, you know, don't need to do any more of it. There's something in me that keeps wanting to do it. And I don't really know why. Uh, all I know is it's part of the, what makes up me so but also you know with this pandemic thing okay i have an ep out at the moment it's called love makes a world and there's five tracks on it uh and i was actually not going to do that uh what i was doing was i was releasing an, an lp which i've been working on for a couple of years uh, self-titled called andrew farris because i got no imagination i couldn't think of a name for it you know but i got two songs out one was Come Midnight, the other one was Good Mama Bad, okay? And then I, I put a lot of effort into the videos for all that, and I had a whole thing, and, you know, I was doing. And then in March, you know, the world went nuts, and, you know, the record label out of Nashville, uh, Broken Bow Records, said, hey, Andrew, you can keep releasing records all day long, but everyone's gone home, you know, the label are all self-isolating and the promotion departments and, you know, whatever. And I thought, you know what, they're right, you know? And I'm worried about my family my health and you know, whatever is happening in the world you know right. you know it's not right it's, it's it, you know it's not about chart success or whatever you're trying to do you know so you know i thought yeah it makes plenty of sense words of wisdom so then when i got home uh you know and i started because i live out on a farm like i said i don't live in the city you know and i was walking around and um i get my hands dirty on the farm too and i wash them again um but uh you know and and but i'm walking around and um i'm starting to think to myself i you know i got other songs uh I've, I've i've recorded other songs and they have names like you know my brother and love makes the world and tears in the rain and they're more sort of emotional songs really than my lp was heading down a slightly different road uh you know uh, songwriting wise and that will come out by the way my LP on March 19th 2021 but these songs that I thought of that I had I thought about them I thought it's kind of uncanny because some of the lyrics on my EP the five songs they could work together you know as a little group of songs so I said to the label hey I got these extra songs would you be interested in putting them out you know thinking they'd say oh we, we, we you know no Andrew we're not interested in that you know go away you know and they, they said, we love the idea. <laughs> so then that was like a slingshot for me because now I'm, that's why we're talking about it. And a lot of people have been very interested in it. And I, I think the lyrics only uh, that I chose for these songs are pushing buttons with people because it's what we're all going through. A lot of people who listen to the program are young musicians, young artists of some kind. And to hear you say, well, I just decided to quit, right? And then you, you really couldn't quit. You were sort of, you didn't have a choice. It's like you, you made a choice that you weren't even allowed to make. Right. You know, um, it's like I've got this little engine in me somewhere um, that keeps going, you haven't finished yet, you know, and, and I keep going, yes, I have, yes, I have. And it's going, no, you haven't, no, you haven't. You know, seriously, you know, it's kind of like that. It's a bit weird. Um, and I don't fully understand it. And I thank God my wife does. Uh, Marlena's from Ohio, uh, Dayton in Ohio. And, um, you know, she understands me somehow, God help her. And, you know, and so we're, we're you know, now I'm doing this. It's the, the Midwestern work ethic. That's true. Her grandmother said to me, and she's still working and she's in her late 80s. She says to me, now listen here, Sonny, 
hard work never killed anyone. That's what she said to me. <laughs> okay. But, but I think so, it actually yeah. probably has killed a few people. I think hard, hard well, work. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's, yeah, possibly. Yeah. But, but I, you know, it, it's funny. It's not funny, actually, but it's ironic. You should say that. Uh, funny is not the right word, but ironic yeah, that you should say that because I was thinking after she said that, that phrase, um, I think hard work would kill you if you're not happy. Yeah. And you're working your butt off, you know, and you're miserable about something, either it's the work you're doing or what's going on in the back end of your life. Yeah, that can kill you. But I think if you're happy doing the work you're doing, there's a big difference. When you had quit, when you had made the decision to stop, did you notice that your mood had changed? Like, in other words, because you weren't being, you were consciously not being creative. Did that make you a little unpleasant to be around or did you, did you, were you okay? Well, when I say I quit, I mean, I, I, I've always written songs. I think the big difference is, is that for me, I, I look at songwriting, I still do, as something that I'm very fortunate to be able to do. And not only to do, to not only to be a songwriter, but that I've had the platform all around the world for people to listen to my songs. Mm -hmm. I'm beyond fortunate. I'm one of a very few group of people, you know, for whatever reason, you know, thank God, you know, that, that I have been able to do that. And I thank all the people who've gotten into the music that I've been involved with in songwriting, you know. But where I'm heading now, when you say I stopped, I think I look at my songwriting, sometimes I don't even realize I'm writing a song. Like, you know, sometimes I'll just think of an idea for a song uh, and it'll be running around inside my head. Um, and I don't even realize I'm writing a song. I just keep thinking about this idea. And then when I start to actually put the idea down, whether it's in the form of a lyric or um, you know, musical thing I'm doing or whatever. And I might just, I take it very casually. So I don't see, I don't think of myself in that moment as working. When I do see myself as really working at it is when I turn around and I, I kind of, I go back and I, I check out what those ideas were. And then I call that working. But so I guess I could never really say I quit like that. But there was a time, yeah, not, you know, not that long ago where I was going, well, I got all these ideas and, you know, like, but I got other stuff I want to do with my life too. Like, is, you know, um, my family's needs and uh, their, their uh, you know, their interests in life and, and what makes them happy, you know, is, is very important to me too, you know. Um, and so it's not just about me, if you know what I mean. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing a good job of explaining that. <laughs> no, you are. No, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's also, you know, there's more to life, obviously, than just serving your own, right? That's a problem, I think, with, with creative people is sometimes I'm a writer and sometimes um, it's hard to be around other people when you're in a creative space. It feels very selfish, but you're, you're almost like flexing a muscle that doesn't always get to flex. That's true. Um, yeah, I was, uh, it's funny, I was thinking as you said that, uh, around about the time, well, especially at the height of NXS's career, you know, late 80s, early 90s, what we were doing was massive sort of 
shows and uh, had a lot of responsibility for myself as a songwriter to keep coming up with songs that would interest the public and fans and uh, the record companies and, you know, the, the, the gravy train of people that, you know, that make a living off you because you keep doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it suddenly occurred to me, you know, for a while there, I, I, I began to, you know, get a bit philosophical about why I was doing any of it. Um, you know, and, and what you're saying then is that, yeah, because, you know, I, I, I was, you know, uh, had a young family there. I'm beginning to have children. And you look at that child in your life, that baby, and you say, well, there isn't anything more important than I have to do today than look after this child. There isn't anything more important. It doesn't matter, you know, the art side of it can go out the window. You know, it's not that important, you know. Um, and, and, but however, what I'll say is this, is I'll say that I think that you can try to ignore the world you know, you can try to push it away, but it's, it is the world as a creative person that inspires you in the first place. So it's a double-edged sword, right? You know, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't, you can't be a hermit and then appeal to people with your art, whatever it is, whether you're writing like yourself, or, you know, whether you're writing papers or a book or whatever you're trying to do with somebody, right? Or if you're writing music, either way, you know, you're going to have to connect with the world at some point. You can't push it away, you know? Yeah, and, and someone pointed out to me the other day, I, I'm like, I, I try to stay really busy. And, and I was working, I'm working on this new book, and it's coming really quickly. And she said to me, how are you able to do that? You're so busy. How, how is the book coming so quickly? And I said, it's coming quickly because I'm busy, because I know yeah. that I only have this amount of time to create. And if you look back at your at that run of records within excess, I mean, you were under a compressed amount of time and you and you really I mean, you produced. <laughs> I mean, you did. And I wonder if it was the same thing for you where you operate really well under pressure. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you, you know, and it's interesting, you should say that's a very that's a very good observation is that if you want something, if you want a job done well, give it to a busy person. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's that's right. That, that's why you're wondering sometimes you look at CEOs of big companies, you know, men and women, and the reason they're in that position is because they can kick ass under pressure. You know, it's not a, it's not a coincidence, you know, and, and I've often admired many people at the top end of ladders and things, you know, some of them are good people, some of them maybe not, but I still admire the way that they can somehow balance their life in amongst juggling these, you know, awesomely you know enormous concepts in the background yeah. and still have time you know to watch a, a you know a, an emotional uh, uh, film with their with their partner or you know play play with their kids and just spend yeah. time looking at their kids interests in life and what makes their children happy and then at the same time go on and manage to to coordinate an airline you know like out the window here you know what i mean Right. Like, you know, that is quite clever, really. Um, you know, um, so, you know, but I, you know, just a, I've had a tiny weeny little bit of um, academia um, in my life where, uh, you know, around about 2014, I got a letter from the Australian National University uh, inviting me to be a fellow there with the College of Music. So they gave me an office and they put my name on the door and, you know, gave me some title. And which is nice of them. And, um, but I suppose the, you know, the thing I learned from doing that was that, and, I, and working in a college with younger people who, 
who aspire and 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 they they want to be in you know, successful music or whatever and i began to realize as i was talking to more and more of these people um you know a lot of them younger than me that you know uh, that part of the thing is like a, let's say you, you have five you have five years right you know um i would say to them okay you start off here let's say we're in you know uh october 2020 you know um where would you like to be in october 2025 and why would you want to be there you know because a lot of people what does their head in is that they think oh becoming successful at something is going to happen overnight that's what stops them from actually doing anything in the first place but really it's about how you were saying before how you're a writer and people are asking you, well, how are you able to be so prolific? It's because you probably worked at it for a while and you worked out it isn't just what you're doing, you know, today. It's building up a little pattern of things that leads you somewhere. And that's when I, why when I was working at the university, I realized that, you know, the best advice I could give to anyone, you know, is to do that, is just take baby steps and, and as you go along, be, be pleased with your progress. It's not about whether you did something, you know, instantaneously. What what's that mean? You know, I mean, you know, the the, the things I'm proudest with achievements really in my life haven't been things that have happened instantaneously. It's been things that I've worked at for a while, and then there's been some sort of result. And even if the result's not successful, that's not bad either because you learn from it. I'm standing at your door, flowers in my hand.
Standing by your grave, flowers in my hand. Oh God, I miss you. I know you'll understand. I will always love you, right here in my heart. Love makes the world go round. surprised when I talk to them about me being a songwriter and they say well you know uh you know so do all of your songs just sort of come together like that and I said no um you know some of my songs that I've worked on that people would know to especially from the in excess catalog people would know those songs and they'd say well okay you know like for example one of the songs I'll just pick one of them like new sensation from the kick album I actually had the music for that five years before we made we made that recording on the record. Wow. And a music producer said to me the other day, do you mean to tell me when I was recording the album before that, you already had that song? And I'm like, yeah. And the guy is like freaking out, you know, because it was like, why didn't you tell us? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I just didn't feel it was finished yet, you know? And that's part of the art process too, is that I don't see the point in rushing something out to somebody if you're not happy with it. You know, uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, why, why do that? Uh, why not work in a factory? You know, like you just make the same thing over and over and over again. I, I don't like to work like that. I don't make the same thing over and over and over again. I, uh, to me, I find it most exciting to be doing new things. Yeah, and it's really interesting because sometimes in the same way, it's almost impossible to explain to somebody why a joke is funny. Um, you can't even explain to someone how, like, how you know a composition is done. Um, that almost it's an instinct right like you deciding new sensation was done was was just an instinct where you said it's it's finished it's good it's good that's true um i mean i you know uh i i don't know what makes a joke funny um <laughs> but 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 i do know that when it came to putting together new sensation together it was when i played the music to my Michael, when he was alive, you know, and he listened to it and he goes, I really like that. Uh, and then he, what he liked about it was the more bluesy feel of that thing. Um, and I think what I've always found as a songwriter that really helps me is to, is to not worry too much about whether people think I should be in this music genre or that one, or, you know, do I believe, you know, do, 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 do I belong in that, that little box where I'm supposed to belong? I don't look at it like that. To me, I look at uh, all of it as a gigantic canvas. And then if you want to take an idea from some somewhere like a genre, music genre, or that something inspires you that, uh, or lyrically that there's a, there's a, you know, a phrase or something and you think, Oh, that that's cool. You know, I can't, I don't know. I've heard that before. And that's something I'm really interested in. Yeah. yeah are, were you surprised when the songs started coming out in a kind of countryish way? Were you like, oh, this is interesting? <laughs> or did you I mean, pull that thread? Right. Well, okay. Where do I begin with this? My, 
I was actually releasing my self-titled LP, which is called Andrew Farris, uh, through lack of imagination, you know. Uh, couldn't think of a name. No, seriously, because it was my first album, right? right. So, um, right. And then I had two songs that I'd released. One was Come Midnight, and then one was Good Mama Bad. And I already had a, a very, you know, good idea of what I was into. My LP by the way, is still going to come out, but on March 19th, 2021. I was going to ask. Okay, good. Yeah, and I want to thank all the people that pre-ordered it too, because <laughs> around about March, the pandemic kicked in, right? And the record label, Broken Bow Records out in Nashville, you know, all those guys, they said, hey, uh, you know, BMG said, look, we're all self-isolating, we're freaking out, we want to, you know, we got to go home, we can't do this, Andrew. So I thought of the idea of coming up with these songs for the EP. Um, and their lyrics all work together to me. And the name of the EP being Love Makes the World, I just thought with the pandemic going on and how nuts everything is at the moment, there is only one thing that is going to help the world, and that is by working together. Uh, you know, for, for the last sort of, I don't know how many thousand years, we've, we all keep talking about what's different about each other around the world, you know. But the one similarity we all have is that we're all human beings who are, you know, this virus doesn't care what country we come from. It doesn't care what, you know, nationality you are, you know, what language you speak. It doesn't care. You know, it's just, it's hunting. It's just hunting around, you know. And so that makes us all, for the first time, probably in a really weird way, have to say, we're all actually all in something at the same time. And the only way we're going to get out of this thing is by working together. And that's why I thought having an EP putting out called Love Makes the World is because basically no one gets through life without help from other people. Yeah, that's so true. It's very true. Yeah. That's where we're at. Yeah, and it's you're right. It's this moment in time where we, we all are on the same page. Every, everyone's anxiety is the same anxiety. Everyone's well, concerns are the same concerns. Exactly. Um, you know, and regardless of what... You know, I mean, every country in the world has different, you know, political, you know, good and bad things going on or whatever, but it's, it's not about that. It's actually, you know, it's, uh, it's sort of, I don't know, transcends all of that. And I think actually one of the things that's really been very difficult for people, you know, for mental health reasons is being isolated from each other. Um, and being separated from, from family and loved ones and, and not being able to travel or, you know, having the, the, the distancing effect that this thing has caused, uh, you know, has been really, really troublesome for many people. My wife's from Dayton in Ohio and uh, she can't go and visit her family, you know. Right. So, and that's, yeah, and they're my family too now. Yeah, so, you know, it's been hard, you know. When I was in my early 20s, I interviewed Michael and I asked him, you know, in a country like Australia, where there's so much great music, how was it that NXS was able to separate themselves from the pack and become so huge? And he said it was because you guys were willing to go anywhere, play anywhere, travel anywhere. Um, first of all, is, do you agree with that? And second of all, how has that world changed? Okay, I'll respond to that by saying two things. Firstly, I agree with Michael that I think for an excessive success, I would like to say it was because, you know, um, myself and Michael were great songwriters. You know, maybe that's a part of it. I think, I think it a lot more had to do with the fact that my brothers, Tim and John and, and Gary and Kirk and, 
as well as Michael, we all worked together and we did whatever it took. You know, some people I think would have thought we were nuts back then. You know, I'd have friends and I'd come back from long tours overseas, you know, and they'd say to me, hey, Andrew, how are you? What are you doing? And I say, well, you know, I, I, we just, you know, and, and the truth of it was that we might have been playing, say, for 10,000 people a night in some country, and we worked in 52 countries or more people. But sometimes I just lied and I said, no, 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 look, I, you know, I was out, uh, you know, we were doing some recording and, and then we went uh, and I played golf and uh, just, just so that, um, you know, because otherwise you sound like you're, you're full of crap when you're talking to people, you know, they were making it up or something, you know, but that's actually what we were doing. And it's not normal because then I say, what have you been doing? I say, well, I've been, you know, I've been going to, to work every day and I work in this office and my kids do this and they do that. And, you know, and, and uh, would you like to play golf in the weekend? For sure. You know, but what I'm saying is you end up saying like a weirdo or a freak because you're not doing what everyone else in a normal society in the community does when you get home, you know, but I don't live in the suburbs of the city anymore. I live in the outback. I live five hours inland. And, um, you know, I've owned a farm uh, out in, a, in you know, a farm for many years. So I'm involved in agriculture. And being involved in agriculture has taught me a lot uh, about a lot of things. But first of all, like we're talking to each other on this technology right now, right? It's amazing. You know, it is. Yeah. You know, I, let's face it, you know. And then, um, but there are certain truisms, right, at the moment. Like, like if you're real hungry, you cannot eat a smartphone, okay? Uh, you can try, you can put a little ketchup on it or whatever you like, right? And 50 years ago, there was some sort of different technology, okay? And in 50 years time, there'll be some other technology and someone will be say, hey, that was really funny how those guys that time on that Zoom meeting uh, talked about, you know, this stuff while they're on a Zoom meeting. That was really, those old guys, you know? Um, <laughs> because in 50 years time, there'll be something else, right? Right. All I know is as we go along with all of this, and it sort of relates to the virus in a really weird way, is that we're all human beings, you know? Um, we, you know, we, we're biological species. Uh, doesn't matter how much technology we've got, or how fancy your car is or whatever it is that, you know, whatever technical machine or, or device or electronics it is, you know, we still need good food, good water and uh, clean air and some shelter. You know, some things are just not changing as we go along. And that was one of the reasons on my EP that I chose some of the lyrics as well, like the song, the last song on my EP is called First Man on Earth. And that song is actually about this subject we're talking about. Uh, which is, you know, um, that I don't understand where technology is taking us. Um, I know, you know, I, I, I worry, uh, you know, uh, you know, some of the sort of more frightening things that come out of technology, especially with, with, with military, but also one of, some of the more amazing things that come with technology are in medicine uh, and in education and, um, you know, and all these sorts of uh, fields of endeavor where, you know, technology has been amazing, you know, for people. Um, but I, I still don't see an instruction manual about where it's going. I, I don't, can someone show me one, please? Because I don't understand. That's all. Right. Hmm. Yeah, because I, I don't think that there, there really is one. I think a lot of those, you know, so, so the best thing you can do is take the truisms that you were talking about, clean air, good food, good water, 
um, and just and use those as your sort of fundamental, <laughs> your fundamentals of life, and let everything else just fall where it falls. Right, and that, so the that exactly. So the five songs that I have on my EP at the moment are directly interlinked like this. Like the first song, "Tears in the Rain," is really about nature and the environment, and it's about two brothers, Daniel and William Clark, uh, who about 10, 12 years ago when they were really kids, uh, 10 or 11 years old, something like that, they just got passionate about saving the orangutans and endangered species in Borneo. And Daniel Clark has cerebral palsy. So he in a wheelchair with his brother William and their father took a trip up through the jungle to do this endangered species. Well, 10, 12 years later, whatever it is now, um, uh, they've now raised over $900,000 and have uh, put aside 140,000 acres of, of wilderness area for these, this species of animal. That's what Tears in the Rain's all about. And my brother, uh, one of the other songs on my EP, uh, wrote the song, or co-wrote the song with a friend of mine, John Stevens, who's an awesome singer and a great writer and he's a good friend of mine. And he lost uh, his brother uh, to, to suicide, which is very tragic. And I lost a good friend of mine to suicide too. And so we touched on that subject as songwriters and, and friends. But it was a very difficult song in one sense to write because it's not about chart success and all that crap. It's right. just about, you know, it's about actually having the, the sort of the emotional wherewithal to share some really, you know, feelings about something that aren't easy to talk about. Uh, you know, guys, and you know, we can be good at talking about sports, you know, football or uh, how to fix your car or, you know, uh, you know what I mean? Like in stuff yeah. like that. But we're not necessarily very good at the things that really push our emotional buttons. You know, we get really uh, weird about it. Um, so I, I think, you know, but in this era we're going through in the pandemic, mental health is a serious, serious thing right now. You've got isolation, you've got separation from people. You know, so I felt that my brother also was good on the EP. Love Makes the World is a title track of my EP. Love Makes the World is really a song about the cycle of life. Uh, it's about how, you know, if you're fortunate, you'll find a partner, you fall in love, you have children. And from the moment you're born, the moment you come into this world, someone needs to look after you. You don't, you don't come into the world as Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's not how it works. Um, you know, from the moment you, you need help, from the moment you arrive, and then one day you get strong enough if you're lucky and you can cope with everything. And then if you live long enough, you'll need help at the other end too. So the fact of the matter is no one gets through life without help from other people. Uh, that's what that song is all about. And then All the Stars of Mine is a song that uh, I co-wrote with a good friend of mine, um, an Australian, her name is Susie Demachi. And Susie had had, uh, you know, uh, young children with her family born in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, back then when I wrote it with her and I had lived in England for nearly five years or Europe and two of my kids, three kids were born uh, there, uh, two of my children. Um, and we basically, you know, we're talking about the lyric and saying it's really interesting because then when you go back to your own country where you're from, you reflect that when you have children, probably the closest people to you in your life ever. And then you reflect on those, those experiences that you have where your child is, you know, and you as a little nucleus of a family are absorbing culture, food, uh, language, uh, different political beliefs, different political problems. And then you come back to your own country and you go, wow, you know, and you reflect on that and you think about it, it makes the world 
uh, from a certain perspective a little bit better because you realize that not all the things that you experience in, you know, are that different than everyone else's. They're just, they come in different packages. That's all, you know? Um, and that's what all stars and minds about basically. Uh, and we already took, talked about first man on earth, but first man on earth is just with the increasing obsession of technology by people. Do you find it easier to be vulnerable in your art than it is in your real life? Like, would you, is it easier to talk about cars and girls and, and guy stuff, but in a song you can be that vulnerable and it's an easier place to access for you or more comfortable? Well, you know, I mean, I think as a generalization, I think if you're being social, you know, you go to a family get together or you're with buddies or you're at a party or something, you know, you don't want to talk about the meaning of life, you know, that's kind of boring. Like, can I get your beer or something? You know what I mean? Like, you know, but, you know, but then again, on the other hand, as an artist, yeah, you know, you, I don't mind going to those tricky areas, you know, um, you know, and, 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 and looking at things, you know, carefully, you know, and, and yeah. as an observation, I mean, uh, you know, I, I mean, life's not a cartoon. It's all real, you know, you know, so I, I sometimes I don't, understand when I when I listen to charts music charts around the world and you listen to these people's songs and you're like <laughs> I mean you know I, I I don't understand sometimes why it's one of the things I really admire about a lot of the music that came out of the 1960s is people in particular the 1960s went into some areas that they really push buttons with people like you know where is this going exactly, you know? And I think that was pretty cool that they went into those areas because, you know, uh, the way that everything's become so mechanized now, you know, and, and the art end of a lot of stuff is on the peripheral and it's not on, it's not on the commercial anymore. It's a bit odd to me, you know? Yeah, and also the, the, the idea that like, like Wordsworth in the preface to the lyrical ballad said that writing is like an emotion reflected in tranquility. So some, if you're at a party, uh, you don't want to explore the dark side of the world. I mean, some, it, I'm, I'm not sure what kind of party it would be where you do, um, but you want to be alone. You want tranquility so you can access those places that are a little more vulnerable, a little more open wounded of, of areas to mind. Absolutely. I mean, if I was at a party, and Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader were both there. The first thing I'd say to Darth Vader is, excuse me, Mr. Vader, have you ever heard of Ventolin? <laughs> got a serious Obi-Wan problem Obi-Wan. there, dude. You know, <laughs> right? No, but seriously, you know, look, yeah, what you just said is true. I mean, like, you know, horses for courses, you've got to pick your conversation depending on what environment you're in, you know. And, um, but there you go. Mm-hmm. I like that you've assembled a party where those two guys were both invited and they both came. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Right? Yeah, well, the, the, the only reason Obi-Wan Kenobi could, could get in is because when the stormtroopers came up to him, he said, uh, you, you can go about your business now. These aren't the droids you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> we, we clearly are of an era. Um, I, I, I would think that Ben might call and say, I'll come as long as Darth isn't going to be there. Yeah, that's it. yeah he, he really smacks down the vibe. You, know, <laughs> you, you don't want him around, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you, I'm just, I'm just pleased as hell that you're, that you're around and you're making great music and you're, um, that, you, that you're answering the call. 
and you're, you know, you're doing, you're, you're still as creative and prolific as ever. And I just think Thank that's you. exciting to me. And, and, and who knows what direction you go, but um, I, I'm just happy that you're, you're making music, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, all the best to you with your book and your writing and everything. That sounds really exciting. Are you a long way down the road with it? What are you doing? I'm about, uh, it's my fifth book. I'm about 35% uh, done with it. It's coming along. Sweet. Yeah. My, my goal is get it done by the, by the first of the year. There you go. Now, right? there you, now you, we, we were talking earlier on about pressure, that good things happen under pressure, right? That's yeah, right. That's a good idea to put, put a deadline on yourself. I've done that to myself. I said, you can't go on a date until you've finished your book. So I'm going to get it done. Well, you better hurry up. I, better hurry up. I know. I know. Um, hey, I appreciate you taking the time. And, and I'm, I'm so thrilled with the music. And I, and I wish you the best of luck, sir. Thank you very much. And you, you take care now. Okay, Thanks. Alex, in the big wide world out there. And uh, hopefully we can all travel around it again soon. During that interview, my intern, Charlotte, who's actually from Australia, she wrote me a note and she said, hey, Alex, it's not the Aria Awards, it's the Aria Awards. You sound like such a Californian. Well, Charlotte, I am a Californian and I'm pretty stoked about it. Uh, there was Andrew Ferris. Wasn't he a nice guy? Lovely, lovely guy. I really enjoyed that conversation. Pick up Andrew Ferris's new EP, Love Makes the World. You're going to love it. Visit Andrew on Facebook at Andrew Ferris Music. That's two R's and two S's. Uh, pick up the Love Makes the World EP. And uh, do check out the Facebook page because tour dates are being announced. I believe he's going to be touring in April and May. So see him when you can. You can visit me at alexgreenonline.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Embers Editor. Follow me on Instagram at Embers Podcast or just email me. Editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, find us, subscribe, tell a friend, leave us a rating, and, God, that's a lot of things, isn't it? It's not that many things. What is it, three buttons and uh, telling a pal? That takes, what, five seconds? Not that much work. It sounded like I was giving you a huge list of things to do, but... Uh, that's all fast stuff, and we really appreciate you spreading the word. Spread the word about Bombshell Radio. Bombshellradio.com is where you need to go to find out what makes us tick. And let's close the show with a longer listen to Andrew Ferris as all the stars are mine. Thank you, as always, for listening to our program. We really do appreciate it. And I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio. I live in a foreign country We do the same things differently And that's okay And I'd like I'd like to get to know you Because you're different than me Going
Political will 